and we didn't realize that all the gas stations close at like 9 o'clock. When we were driving on the ice, it like caved in and we went down. He said, I'm going to get you back for this. They both got out and were flying around. We it's time for the Apple Seed, an hour that uses the power of great stories to help you make sense of the world and communicate with the people who are important to you. On the Apple Seed, great stories can change your family's world. Tall tales, fairy tales, folk tales, personal and family tales, and more. I'm Sam Payne, your host, and we're excited to bring you an hour of great stories today. One of them is from Reverend Robert B. Jones, the Detroit pastor, songwriter, and storyteller. And he's going to tell us a story about his grandmother. And everything that was good was from down south. Collard greens. Down south. <laughs> Cornbread. Down south. You could say yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am. That was down south. That story from Robert B. Jones coming up in a moment. And because it's Reverend Jones, you can bet that at least part of the story will be told in song, such as so often the way with Reverend Jones. And we're looking forward to hearing it. We also have an original audio drama coming up in today's episode. It's called We Will Fight in the Quad. And it features at least one character with whom you may be familiar, a World War II-era hero whose power of speech infused a nation with the courage and determination to get through one of the most destructive conflicts in history. I'm talking about this guy. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. That's an actual recording of Winston Churchill delivering one of his most famous wartime speeches. Churchill is a character in our radio drama coming up a little later in the hour, though the story itself doesn't play out during Churchill's lifetime. It takes place today on a school playground, much like your own. How might Winston Churchill advise young Elliot, a student who's having some bully trouble? Well, you'll find out later on in the hour. But first, that Robert B. Jones story, recorded live in the Appleseed studio. This is a story about Robert's grandmother, but it's also a story about how to tell the story of a person like that. Kind of meta, no? You know that term, meta? It's a term you use when you're talking about talking about the thing you're talking about, right? For example, if you're telling a story, that's just telling a story. But if you're telling a story about telling a story, that's kind of, well, meta. And as you tell the stories of your own family and the people you love, that's a good question to have in your pocket. After all, the stories you tell convey the meaning of the experiences you have to people who hear the stories. When you're the storyteller, you are the meaning maker. Your ideas about right and wrong, your feelings about family and faith, the connections you see between you and your heritage or the larger world, the meaning that gets made from the difficult things you may go through, it's all there in the stories you tell and how you choose to tell them. So as you listen to Robert B. Jones tell this story, don't be afraid to get a little meta. Think not only about the stories you might choose to tell, but also how you'll tell them, even if it's just to yourself, how you'll make meaning from the things that unfold in your life. And just before we hear Robert's story, here's just a little bit of the conversation we had as he was preparing to tell the story to our studio audience. He talked with me briefly about his experience during the COVID-19 pandemic and about some of the meaning that got made in his life during a difficult time. One of the things I've learned is how smart old people were. <laughs> All of those ancestors who told us, you know, your things are not important. It's one another that's important. Experiences of like, you know, having fun, whatever that is. Fun is not as important as joy. Joy is what happens at the end of great struggle when you come out of the other end of it and you realize that you have your friends and your family and your loved ones. Um, I hope everybody has learned something from this whole experience. 
Reverend Robert B. Jones in front of our terrific Appleseed Studio audience. We've been promising you a Robert B. Jones story, and we've enjoyed getting there. Here's that story now. It's called Song for Arnesia. The audience is ready. Let's join them in the Appleseed Performance Studio, shall we? Thank you so much. Thank you. Wow. This is wonderful. You know, I uh, when I was a kid, you know, I fell in love with the blues. And I fell in love with the blues not because anybody else thought they were cool, but it was because my grandmother thought they were cool. My grandmother was from Alabama. She was from a little town called Evergreen, Alabama. She came home with a record one time. Now, you remember records? I mean, some of you know records, right? Records are those really big, black, compact discs. And she brought it home. She said, this is the music we used to listen to down south. And everything that was good was from down south. Collard greens, down south. Cornbread, down south. You could say yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am. That was down south. So the blues were from down south. And she brought home this record by Sonny Terry and Brownie McGee. Now, some of you may or may not know who that is, but Sonny Terry was this guy who was legally blind. He played harmonica. And Brownie McGee was this guitarist who had had polio, so one leg was shorter than the other. And the two of those guys could make more music than any band, all right? And I was listening to this stuff. First, I was listening to it by force, and then I became infected. Then I went out to a pawn shop and got a harmonica and played along with Sonny. Went out to another pawn shop, got a guitar, played along with Brownie. And I figured this is the kind of blues you played when you're too cheap to get a band. This is country blues, right? No drummer, no bass player, no ladies going, shoot, shoot. This was just the blues, right? They had great songs like, Hooray, Hooray, This Woman Is Killing Me. Or Cornbread Peas and Black Molasses. And one of my personal favorites, a song called Gone But Not Forgotten. For those brothers who think they understand the woman, come home, find their clothes sitting out on the front porch, but still can't get her off their mind. And so I was listening to that, and it led me to this. My baby and me, we never used to fight. At night, I came home one morning and she had gone away. Ever since, ever since she went away, long, no, my heart does nothing but ache. Her address is unknown, blues is at a stay. She gone but not forgotten Tell you the reason why Well, she had the kind of loving Love that would satisfy She had love like the ocean rolling That comes in with the tide
you. Thank you so much. Took off my little Bob Dylan torture device. Now, the reason I think I fell in love with that music, it had that immediacy to it. It had that ability to sort of go right to what you were feeling, right? That was the music that they listened to down south. But I think the reason that I loved it is because my grandmother loved it. And my grandmother loved me. She was the kind of woman who loved you, and in spite of her love, her love could get you in trouble. She would, like, go to stores and buy corduroy pants. Now, now y'all might not know what corduroy is, but it's that material that's got those wide ribs of, of fabric in the pants. And as you walk along, you make a sound like, whoo, 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 whoo. Now, I'm born and raised in Detroit. And when you're going to school, you don't want to make a sound. You don't want you to be walking like, whoo, whoo, whoo. And I had them in every color. You know, so it's like I had green ones and purple ones and blue ones. And that was not good because the bullies would say, we hear something. And they would immediately like gravitate toward me. Right. And before I knew it, man, I had to like learn how to fight. And I'm an only child in Detroit. So Detroit's a tough city. You got to learn how to fight. My grandmother gave me bad advice, like just close your eyes and swing. It's like this was not good, you know. So, you know, it's like my grandmother loved me almost to death. She loved me so much that she, she could not anticipate the fact that one day I would start dating. I would start dating girls. I would start coming in later and later. And my grandmother, just she couldn't take it. She'd say things like, keep coming in here late at night. You're live to catch a 22. <laughs> she meant it. <laughs> right? And, and so we, we started to grow apart. Because I, I found this beautiful woman from uh, Alabama. She was living in Detroit. She had come up, her and her entire family of 15 kids had come up to Detroit in a Pinto. And after they got here, they threw away the Pinto because it wasn't any good anymore. <laughs> but, but this was the woman who was destined to become my wife. Her name is Bernice Bernice Banks, now she's Bernice Banks-Jones, and she was the, she's the kind of woman you want to marry. She's the kind of woman, man, when you buy a house and it's got a toilet that has not been cleaned in 13 years, she's the kind of woman who will get up in there and clean that new standard flushless toilet, cussing all the time, but cleaning nonetheless. <laughs> and, and my grandmother knew that I loved Bernice, and, and, and we still didn't get along until my son was born. And then when my son was born, she picked him up and held him, and he baptized her. <laughs> and she enjoyed it. <laughs> and it was, you know, it, 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 and it was not long after that that she went home, right? Her name was Arnesia. Her name was Arnesia Shepherd. And I wrote this song for my daughter, whose name is also Arnesia, so she would know where she got this name. And so, if not for this woman in that record, I end up doing something else. But I thank God for the woman and the record, but more for the woman. In the year of 19 and 16, the money world had turned its hands to war. But deep within the state of Alabama, Arnesia of Evergreen was born. And there never was a movie done about her. No history book will ever hold her name. But I know her story like I know my own hand. And I will tell her story just the same. In 29, when all the folks were laughing and talking about the money that they'd made, at 12 years old in dresses made of patches, Arnesia picked the cotton while she played. And she helped her mother raise two orphan cousins, cause that's the way they did it in those days. Barely older than the children that she cared for, that's how our niece should learn her mother's ways. 
And in 34 when all the folks were crying And talking about the money that they'd lost Arnesia was all alone and trying To figure out what love too young would cost She'd had two children for him out of wedlock Back when such children were a mark of shame Though she never wore it in her own house She raised her babies with their father's name And no movies were ever done about her Ain't no history book will ever hold her name But I know her story like I know my own hand And I will tell her story just the same In 49, Anisha left for Detroit to see the poor man's fabled promised land She sold whiskey to the workers in Black Bottom And she put her problems all in Jesus' hands And Detroit, it wasn't like old Alabama She had to learn to face the cold gray morn That rags wrapped round her feet would keep her walking And newsprint round her legs would keep her warm and in 56, while civil rights was marching, her daughter had a baby of her own. And she found out what Arnesia had long known, that it's hard to raise a baby on your own. But those women worked to raise that boy together, and they gave me all the best they had to give. When I think about the way those women raised me, I know those women taught me how to live And no movies were ever done about her No history book will ever hold her name But I know her story like I know my own hand And I will tell her story just the same By the 60s, Arnesia's son got married And he found success in the mechanics trade His eight children came and brought his mama pleasure And around her feet all nine grandchildren played And we grew inside the joy that was around her Somehow she all cut out her middle moms For a neighborhood of children called her mother and she wiped away our tears on callous palms But by the 80s, while the whole wide world was spending Arnesia did the best that she could do And her only son was killed at 37 When her only daughter died at 52 And the twist of fate had taken both her children And nearly all the joy that did remain but in my son's eyes, she met four generations And she knew her life had not been lived in vain And in 90 in the month that she was born in Arnesia of Evergreen went home And in 91 my wife came in and blessed me With another little Arnesia of my own And sometime when I heard my niece laughing I hear my other niece in the sound And it's then I bow my head and pray to heaven That our niece's life goes better this time round Thank you. Robert B. Jones with Song for Arnesia, a story about Robert's grandmother and the sweet memorial he creates for her, a woman with a hard life who experienced a lot of sorrow, sure, but Reverend Jones tells us why her life was meaningful to him, not because she won awards or conquered the world, but because of the love and life she made possible for others. 
There's a lot more coming up on The Appleseed. I'll be joined in a moment around the desk for a little talk back about Robert's story. And later in the hour, we'll bring you an original radio drama starring, among other characters, the great Winston Churchill. How will he respond to a modern kid suffering at the hands of a playground bully? Well, that's coming up. I'm Sam Payne. A moment ago, it was a pleasure for us to be in the Appleseed Performance Studio and to listen to the Reverend Robert B. Jones tell and sing, right? Tell a story about Arnesia and sing that beautiful song for Arnesia. Uh, I'm joined around the desk by our producers, Dr. Heather Bigley and Dr. Brian Tanner. Guys, it's such a pleasure. Hello. Hey, it's great to be here. Let's talk a little bit about Song for Arnesia. Heather, where did that story and song take you? Well, when I was listening to this, I I was touched by all the trial and tribulation in this woman's life. And mm-hmm. often when we talk about, oh, things were worthwhile or we make meaning out of something, we end yeah. up saying because there was this success at the, the end. Right. Someone yeah. became president or <laughs> someone was the first person to fly a plane. I don't know what it is, but yeah. we, we kind of say, you know, and it meant something because – they, of great achievement later. The great achievement in this story and in this song is the continual dedicated love yeah. for her family mm-hmm. that uh, the reverend is honoring. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was incredibly moved because there wasn't just a, you know, and then and then everyone was rich and lived happily ever after yeah. moment. <laughs> it was just like, and things continued to be hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Maybe that's a minor chord for today, but I, but I thought I thought it was really lovely. Yeah. So. Uh-huh. How yeah. about you, Brian? Where does that story take you? Well, I agree with Heather. Yeah, this isn't like we're learning about a, a famous person or something, but our lives are filled everywhere we, where we look. There are people who are just quietly living a life of dignity and just trying to do the best that they, they can for other people. Yeah. yeah. I loved the music in this story. Yeah. Uh, just hearing Robert B. Jones play, man, yeah. I could listen to that all day. <laughs> and I'm grateful that he introduced me to Sonny Terry and Brownie McGee. I'd never heard of them, but I was just like, <laughs> I got to look these guys up. And man, I'm telling you, the song that he mentioned, Hooray, Hooray, This Woman Is Killing Me, that is a jam, <laughs> a straight jam, you know? And... um uh, I could relate to the sentiment that he had when he was like, when I heard this music, it's like, okay, had to go get a harmonica, had to learn how to play. Yeah. They had to learn how to play the guitar like that. For me, I have an artist like that in my life, um, and it was Bob Dylan. Sure. When I heard, I liked lots of music, um, but there was something about Bob Dylan when I heard him play. It's just like, okay. I'm I'm going to learn to play just like him. And so I went out and bought, and I love the way he said this in the story, a Bob Dylan torture device <laughs> thing to hold the harmonica up you in front of my face. You have it right there. He's holding right it in front of my <laughs> You put it around your neck, and then you can play uh, the guitar while you're playing the harmonica. Right, yeah. You know, yeah. this was around ninth grade, and I remember— uh, You were the coolest guy. <laughs> <laughs> I remember playing in um, a talent show for my choir, and I was playing a Bob Dylan song, The Times They Are a Changing, and I was yeah. on my harmonica solo, and then all of a sudden, the screw comes loose, and <laughs> it falls down in front of my face. What am I going to do? I stopped playing the guitar, and I just have to put it back up. I made a little joke, and then I went on, but I remember my friends told me afterwards, just like, wow, you were so poised. Like, you just kept going and stuff. <laughs> yeah. So no, I could I could totally dig that. Just being like, wow, this, this I really connect with this artist. I I want to go out and learn how to do the same sure. thing. Yeah. And and we we get not only in Robert B. Jones' story, we get not only the family connection but also the larger story, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so we get kind of a picture of a time. Yeah. Uh, which is really really wonderful. Uh, the story brought back a memory for me that I'd like to share as today's entry in the Radio Family Journal. The Radio Family Journal with Sam Payne. A tiny little story for you and your family. Right when you need it. On the Appleseed. When I tell stories live on stage, some of those stories are about my grandfather, Gordon Pappas. 
He was a World War II vet and came home from the war to a long career teaching high school band in California in the Bay Area. Anyone who knew my grandfather would tell you what a grumpy guy he was, the original grumpy old man. That was Gordon Pappas. But I loved him, and I was telling stories about him live on stage in the hour that he passed away some years ago. I got home from a storytelling gig to find an email from my stepdad announcing to the family that the great patriarch had passed on. Ninety-four years old, he was. A day later, I got an email from my aunt, and she was asking if I would like to sing something at my grandfather's memorial service. And of course I said yes, I'd be happy to prepare something. But I wondered what I would prepare. My grandfather, in addition to being the original grumpy old man, was the guy who introduced me to Huckleberry Finn and introduced me to the music of Igor Stravinsky and Gilbert and Sullivan and Louis Prima. He gave me the clarinet I played all through junior high school band and that I still have today. He introduced me to all kinds of things that I love. And I wondered what I would prepare to sing for someone like that. Well, finally, something occurred to me as I was cleaning off my desk. Under a pile of stuff, I rediscovered the very last letter that my grandfather had ever written to me. It was a letter of thanks. He was thanking me for a Christmas gift that I had sent him, and that gift was a book, and the book was called When Books Went to War. It's a terrific book by Molly Gupto Manning about the American servicemen's editions of books that were prepared for soldiers during World War II. It's a really beautiful wartime story, the history of those American servicemen's editions, and I thought my granddad would like it having been not only a World War II vet, but also a reader. Every Christmas, my granddad would clean out the bookshelves of his house, and he would go to the local library sale, and at the end of it all, he'd have all these books, and he took those books, and he would read them, and he would decide which of his children or grandchildren should get each one of those books as a Christmas gift. And then once he had chosen... He would write a little note to that person, and he would stick the note in the book, and he would wrap the book in the Sunday comics, and then he would send them to us for Christmas. And we still have a lot of those books, and we treasure them even more, as you can imagine. We treasure those notes from my grandfather stuck into those books. And in that tradition, we forged a relationship, my grandfather and I, that was characterized by sending things back and forth, beautiful pieces of music, books that we loved, films we really dug, and so forth. And so in that last letter that my grandfather sent me, he was thanking me for that book that I had sent him. And because he's the original grumpy old man, he was also complaining about the book he was currently reading, waiting with some anticipation to get to the book that I had sent him. And then he went on in the letter to talk about all of the things that we'd done together, all of the family reunions we'd had. He would make us learn songs to sing for those family reunions. You could imagine my brother and me learning and singing It's the Hard Knock Life from the musical Annie. That and the ball games of his beloved giants camping at national parks. I mean, that was my childhood. And the letter showed me that he loved it too. I just relished the reading of that letter that I had found while I was cleaning off my desk. And I wound up using it to write a song that I did sing for my grandfather's memorial service. And this is the song. Son, I got the book you sent today. I hate the one I'm reading now. Some guy who must not know the way Said I'd love it, and he was wrong But your book, just like the Rock of Ages I'll hang on and look forward to A brand new suit, all made of pages I can't wait to try it on And every lovely word you treasure melody that you remember flies with you as you go, go, go 
At least I hope, hope, hope That it's so, so, so Did you get the song I sent? Oh my That song about the high and Holy power of love That makes me cry Makes me miss your grandma so Cause a tune is good for any weather And you get me well enough To know I'll make you sing Whenever we're together And I'll miss it when you go And every lovely word you treasure Melody that you remember Flies with you As you go, go, go At least I hope, hope, hope That it's so, so, so And did you see the film I said to see About the soldiers How my mind fills up with all that memory You can seek but be hard-pressed To find a dearer thing than duty better thing than beauty or lovelier than language to walk us through the war come and see me when you can I know I'm cranky when folks stay too long it's even worse more painful though when they never come at all And the only crown I hope to wear Is made up of my children's song The things they make and dream and dare I see those things I hear their call And son, I got the book you sent today I got the book you sent today Thanks for joining me for that entry in the Radio Family Journal. We always hope that the stories that we bring you here on the show spark memories and thoughts for you that you can share with the people that you love as stories. That kind of storytelling can make for memories that last a lifetime. It's been my pleasure to not only ponder on this Robert B. Jones story and song, Song for Arnesia, uh, on my own, but also with friends, our producers, Dr. Heather Bigley, Dr. Brian Tanner. Guys, thanks for joining me. What a pleasure. Brian, let me hear that harmonica <laughs> one more time. <laughs> it's as if Dylan were a mother. <laughs> Lots more coming up on the Apple Seat. I'm Sam Payton. It's such a pleasure for me to be with you on today's episode of The Appleseed. We're excited to bring you an original audio drama that we cooked up here in The Appleseed Studios. It's called We Will Fight in the Quad, about a magical visit by Winston Churchill, the political leader of Britain during World War II. Now, here to talk with us about the making of We Will Fight in the Quad is Kenny Baldwin. Kenny wrote the script, and he's also the voice of Winston Churchill. Kenny, thanks for joining me. Oh, an absolute pleasure to be here. <laughs> this is a radio play. Um, it's about a kid who struggles with, um, he's, he's getting, kind of getting bullied at school. There's oh, some, Nobody's ever just, been there. Right? No one's been there. Um, <laughs> um, and so anyway, he's dealing with this problem and um, he's got a great high school teacher yeah. who um, maybe has some secrets of her own. Yeah. Yeah. That um, she's obviously very passionate about helping kids out in difficult situations, uh, you know, above and beyond just learning course material. Sure. So my family um, kind of originates uh, from England. Uh-huh. You know, it wasn't Winston Churchill for me, but in high school, um, my grandfather moved in with us. Mm. And so there were sometimes these moments where I would come home. I remember one day in particular, I was I was just, you know, really struggling, as sometimes high schoolers do. And um, 
Yeah, and this, my grandfather grabbed a ukulele and sat me down and said, like, cheer up, old friend. And uh, he played me like an old, like, drinking song on this ukulele to kind of, like, cheer me up. And so I think certainly there's an element there of just, it, it wasn't Churchill, but it was like this kind of grandfatherly figure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in an accent, you know, kind of trying sure. to just grandfatherly like, British up. figure. Yeah, exactly. Right? So yeah. maybe there's something there. Well, well, uh, a public school student being bullied, a teacher with some secrets. That sounds like the beginning <laughs> of a story. <laughs> dun dun dun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Here it is. We will fight in the quad here on the Appleseed. Come on, Brax, just give it back. Make me, Enro. If you want your sandwich back, come and take it. I don't want to fight. Why, you scared? Fine. Take the stupid sandwich, just leave me alone. I don't think so. You're not getting off that easy. <laughs> Saved by the bell again, Enro. Next time I'm taking more than my sandwich. What's going on here? Everyone, to your classes immediately. Sure thing, Miss Spellman. We were just messing around. Are you all right, Elliot? I'm fine. Are you sure? It looked like... We were just messing around, like he said. Would you come with me, please? I'm late for class as it is. Yes, and without a teacher's note, you'll be punished for it. Now, come on. (sighs) I've been meaning to talk to you anyway. Elliot, I'm worried for your grade in my class. I knew this was a trick. No, no tricks. I'm not trying to come down on you. I'm just concerned is all. You show up to class and you look tired. Your grades are dropping because of careless mistakes on assignments. I've been busy. Busy? Trying to deal with Brax Gunderson? (sighs) For the last time, we were just messing around. Well, whatever the reason, I don't think either of us want my upcoming parent-teacher conference going poorly. You called my parents? Not yet. I wanted to give you a chance to fix your grade. More homework? Extra credit. Usually boys your age perk up doing my lessons on World War II, but since you need some extra motivation, I want you to read this book and give me a book report. Winston Churchill, England's Bulldog? It's a biography. About a dog? Save me the comedy act, Elliot. You want to bring your grade up? Do the extra credit. Who knows? You may just find the book. Well, magical. Sure. Can I have my late note now? (sighs) Stupid life. Elliot! I'm headed out! Dinner's in the fridge! Okay, Mom. Love you! I said love you! (sighs) Love you! Fine, whatever. See you later. Don't talk about dinner too loud. Brax might just come steal that, too. I guess there's no putting it off. Well, Mr. Churchill, you can't have had it worse than I do. Huh? What the? Nothing makes a man more reverent than a... than a... than a library. Where the devil am I? What are you doing in my room? Good gracious, who let a child in the House of Commons? They should all be in the House of Lords, where they belong. (laughs) House of what? This is my house, the House of Enro. House of Enro. A noble line, if I ever heard one. And who might you be? I'm Elliot. Elliot? I'm Winston. Winston? Like Winston Churchill, Bulldog of Britain? What an inane nickname. Where did you hear such nonsense? This book my teacher gave me. About you. Ah, it's all becoming clear now. I see what's going on here. Listen, Elliot, though you may not believe it. Being sucked through a cloud of sparkling gaseous light isn't the most peculiar summons I've ever received. What is it that you need, young man? What do I need? Yes. Why have you brought me here? I didn't mean to. I just wanted to pass my history class. There is no enemy more formidable than a stern school teacher. Miss Spellman, if I'm not mistaken. How do you know my teacher? This isn't the first time I've been summoned. And that book is always involved. It is? 
It's not unlike the fabled genie in Tales of Arabian Nights, or some sort. Except I'm not all-powerful. Though I'm right most of the time. A genie? If I'm not mistaken, I think our contract works like this. My only way back to flogging men's intellects in Parliament is to help you resolve whatever problem you have going on. So if it's a history course you're struggling with, let me instruct you in history. And quickly. You're going to pass my history class for me? I'll give you the tools, and you will finish the job. <laughs> well, I guess really all I need is to complete a book report about you. About me? I never take pleasure in such human woe. But if it must be done, it will be better done with a sandwich in hand. To the kitchen, young man! Where are you going? Wait for me! Ask her questions, young Elliot. I'm quite busy and eager to get back. I don't even know where to begin. Name, birthplace, education, accomplishments. I'm not likely to answer you straight away, but if you get crafty enough, you can coax me to boasting. What inscrutable elf stocked your icebox? My mom. I retract my insult, and that's a rarity. You don't find this whole thing a little weird? The maxim of the British people is business as usual. I'm not British. You will be by the time I'm done with you. Now sit, ask, I will. Oh, sorry, honey. I forgot my gym bag. Uh, hi, Mom. Who's this? I'm Winston, madam. You have an impeccably stocked icebox, if I may so compliment you. He's a, uh, a tutor Miss Spellman found for me. Miss Spellman is a crafty witch, and your son will need all the power of the Queen's Navy to pass her class. I do not jest in saying that men of strong constitution have withered under her gaze. It's, uh, part of a, a new experimental learning honors program. Honors program? You didn't tell me you made honors. Mom. Well, it's a pleasure, Mr. Winston. Thank you for your help. I'll be back in just a little while. Help yourself to something to, well, I see you've already. There's no pot roast and gravy. But it will do just fine. <laughs> what a riot. Okay, love you, Elliot. Bye, Mom. You will do well to take every opportunity to express your adoration for your mother. Motherhood is nothing less than trench warfare. What are you talking about? Your mother just professed that she loved you, and you did not bother to reciprocate. I'm sorry? What madness would lead to such oversight? I just had a lot on my mind, that's all. We have a lot of anxieties, and one cancels out another. Tell me yours. Well, it's just... Speak directly, lad. I will soon vanish back into my book. You might as well be speaking to yourself. There's this kid at school. Brax. What kind of name is that? I think it's short for Braxton. What kind of monster shortens a respectable name like Braxton to that atrocity? He's just a bully, and he won't leave me alone. Every day he picks on me, says he wants to fight me, takes my lunch. Good gracious, he takes your lunch? He's just made going to school an absolute nightmare. I used to love it. I mean, I like learning new stuff, but I can't even concentrate because I'm just... I'm just... Just what, Elliot? I'm scared. Now, now, young man. There is no shame in being afraid. Worthy lessons are never learned without cost, and triumphs against fears are most precious of all. A thought strikes me. I think your book report is of minimal importance in getting me back to Parliament. What do you mean? Perhaps the reason I'm here is to help you dispatch your bully. You want to help me deal with Brax? I know a thing or two about fighting, military strategy, and how to shrink an enemy with no more ammunition than a good pocket dictionary. Okay. But I don't go back to school until tomorrow. Wonderful. That will give us enough time to prepare. What? Seriously? This stupid thing ate my dollar. What a chip. Huh? That's him. I may well have assumed. I've seen evil, Elliot, and I can recognize it a mile off. Now he's going to terrorize that kid, Alex, just because the vending machine ate his dollar. By the time he sees me, he'll be ready for a fight as usual. But you're ready. Remember, Elliot, nothing in life is so exhilarating as to be shot at without result. Shot at? It's metaphorical. 
Once you feel his threats sail harmlessly by you, the victory of it will overwhelm you. Hey, Enro! Oh, great, here he comes. I will support you from a distance. Remember, it is a time to dare and endure. Well, Enro, what did you bring me for lunch today? Dare to endure. My ammunition is a pocket dictionary. Be like Winston. Uh, hello? I said, what did you bring me for lunch? You must be mistaken, Brax. I have only a backpack. If I brought lunch for you, I'd have need of a trailer. What? What are you talking about? In the course of my life, I have often had to eat my words, and I must confess that I have always found it a wholesome diet. Why are you talking all funny like that? Don't interrupt me while I'm interrupting. A joke is a very serious thing. Whatever, weirdo. Just give me your sandwich. Weirdo? (laughs) Insults in the mouth of the clumsy are like muskets in the arms of untrained infantry. More a danger to themselves than anything. Just give me your sandwich or I'll punch you right now. If I were to give you the sandwich later, could I avoid the immediate punch? That's it. Now, I know in times like this, critique is difficult to master, but you went off book toward the end there. That being said, I thought your line about muskets was quite effective. I got punched in the face. Yes, but you punched him deep in the intellect, and he's not likely to recover anytime soon. Plus, the whole situation brought allies to your aid. You mean the campus supervisors? I'm going to be in huge trouble. Harsh laws are, at times, better than no laws at all. Braxton, I can't believe this. You got me called all the way out here. How am I supposed to explain this to my boss? I said I'm sorry, Dad. That's not going to cut it. We'll talk about it at home. Dad, could I have another dollar? The machine ate mine for lunch. The machine? You weren't supposed to spend that at the vending machine. You were supposed to give that to cover some of your past lunches the cafeteria covered for us. The lunch lady wouldn't take it. She said it wasn't enough. Mm. We'll figure it out later. I have to go back to work, and you apologize to that kid, or so help me, Braxton. Insight. The bitterest and sweetest of drinks. Winston, your turn. Surely you mean Elliot. No, I mean you. Good luck. Why, I never. If, if you've come for a joust, madam, I hope your horse is sturdy. Hey. Hi. You shouldn't have said all that weird stuff. You shouldn't have punched me. Whatever. Was that supposed to be you apologizing? You're not getting an apology. But your dad... You didn't hear anything. Mind your own business. You can have my sandwich if you want. I don't want it. Then you can have my sandwich if you need it. Maybe just for today. You better not tell anybody. I didn't hear anything. You don't look so good, Winston. She looks gentle, Elliot. But she's the terror of the deep. Elliot, your turn. Courage, man. We will fight in the rivers. We will fight in the valleys. We will... Yesterday, you told me you and Mr. Gunderson were just fooling around. Do you want to explain yourself? Well, it's not my fault. Winston spent all night trying to... Wait a minute. You're the one who gave me a magic book. All books are magic, Elliot. No, like, this one is actually magic. It summoned Winston Churchill to my house. I don't know what you're talking about. You were just talking with him. He's right outside the door. Is that so? I don't see any Winston Churchill. But he was just there. He probably left to get a snack. He'll be right back. Will you be fighting with Mr. Gunderson again? What? No. I don't think so. Wonderful. Then I don't see why we have to draw this out anymore. You will bring that book back to me tomorrow, won't you? I wouldn't want to lose it. (laughs) Sure thing. Excellent job on your book report, by the way. I think we should be able to save your grade. Miss Bellman, Brax is just upset because his life at home isn't easy, right? I don't presume to know. Sure. I guess we never know what people are going through, do we? That, at least, I can say with absolute certainty. Off you go, then. You'll be late for your next class. Oh, 
If you see Winston again, tell him thanks for me. It looks even worse than yesterday. I'm fine, Mom. My boy, fighting at school? I should ground you for a week. Why are you making another sandwich? I already put one in your bag. There's a kid at school who might need one. A kid at school? Yeah. Sometimes I'm afraid he's hungry at lunch. Maybe a week is a little harsh. Well, better go. I'm going to be late. You have everything? Yep. I love you, Mom. See you later. I love you, Elliot. That was We Will Fight in the Quad, an original audio drama recorded right here in the Appleseed Studio, starring Kenny Baldwin as Winston Churchill, Ben Butters as Elliot, Ian Parker as Brax, Kyle Raymond as Mr. Gunderson, Mickey Lani Yamada as Mom, and Teresa Holland as Miss Spellman. Let's go back to our discussion with Kenny Baldwin. Kenny, of course, as we mentioned, wrote the script and does the voice of Winston Churchill. Well, I think I, I think if there's an invitation, it, it, it might be an invitation to figure out some of the issues that you have, some of the f- find your way through some of the problems that you're faced with, without resorting to throwing punches. Absolutely, I think that's one of my very favorite life lessons I've ever yeah. learned. Is um, you know, you don't necessarily know where a remedy is going to take you when you start that pathway. Yeah. But um, but making sure you have your eyes and ears open for those little side routes that when they show up, you know, and there and there's something whispering like, no, look, this is this is a solution or this is the the path that you're meant to explore. You know, those only come about when you're out doing stuff. Yeah. Um, and you're trying to figure out problems, and so. Um, I, I know I've had a lot of those moments in my own life where I'm like trying to just attacking something over and over. And then all of a sudden there's this kind of like, oh, I never considered this option before. <laughs> so yeah. I love that. <laughs> well, it was a pleasure to hear and a pleasure to chat with you about it. Kenny Baldwin, thanks for joining us. Thanks for Apple having Seed. me. It's been such a pleasure for me to share this hour with you. Join us again on the Appleseed, won't you? You can find us at byuradio.org slash Appleseed by Googling the Appleseed podcast or by downloading the BYU Radio app for ways to listen to all the great shows produced by BYU Radio. And of course, we always love to hear from you. Write your story down and share it with us. Send us an email at theappleseed at byu.edu. Again, that's theappleseed at byu.edu. I'm Sam Payne, and I can't wait to be with you again on The Appleseed. <laughs>